lost deep in the pages of your Bible are the books that are unmentioned, unheard of, and unread. They are the forgotten books of the Bible. Welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Yurluk. So we just wanted to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hope you're going to have a wonderful time with your family, friends, and anyone you celebrate the holiday with. That sounded very, like, not caring. <laughs> I really do sincerely <laughs> wish all of everyone who's listening a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> I thought you were going to stop and be like, no, let's re-record that. And you're just no. like, no, I'm just going to keep plowing forward gonna... <laughs> and try and correct it. I'm just going to go, keep going forward in my very monotone style. Really what I was thinking was um, as the holidays approach, like I am not a Christmas spirit guy until like two or three days before Christmas. All the time leading up to that. And I think it's because radio playing Christmas music in October and September and Walmart and Home Depot putting out Christmas stuff before Thanksgiving happens that has made me very grinchy inside. So I, I like the idea of Christmas is always like, well, it's diluted uh, your Christmas spirit over really three has. months instead of one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really unleash it within the first, like you know, Christmas Eve and the day before that. Yeah, it. I remember a few years ago, it was kind of making me sad because I was just like, where that whole Christmas spirit and feeling of leading up to it. Like I just feel like I'm just moving through another month. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it was bumming me out. I was like, how do I get that back? Like, what? what's the secret sauce? Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, what really gets me in the Christmas spirit is um, the Christmas story. Mm. The movie. Oh, not mm. the Bible? No, no, not the Bible, but the <laughs> movie. <laughs> it shouldn't be the Bible here. You're right. Uh, but the movie, when it starts repeating for 24 hours from like Christmas Eve until Christmas Day, that is really when I always would get more in the Christmas spirit. I would put it on and just watch it over I, and over again. I hadn't again. seen that movie until like two years ago. Really? Yeah. When I was single, I would wrap all the Christmas presents I bought once that came on. And it was just like watching that for hours while wrapping presents. And it just became like my Christmas thing. And then I got married and my wife, Justine, decided to dictate all of the Christmas wrapping. And she wanted to get it all done way ahead that I was like, well, now I don't have that experience, but now I just put it on and watch it. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I, it's still just hilarious to me that between stumbling through the beginning part of this, but before we started recording, or I guess the first take. Oh, yeah. The first you, you told me not to look at you while you did the intro. <laughs> like, we're this many episodes in, you're like, don't look at me. <laughs> like, I can do magic, but nobody can look at me when I'm <laughs> I'm <laughs> just sitting here with my eyes closed while you go, welcome to your church friends podcast. For everyone listening, what you don't get is that uh, I noticed doing this intro that apparently I do a, a hip swivel in our swivel chairs to the right all the time when I do the intro. And then it threw me off really, really bad because I started thinking about it. So we had to redo it. But we've never... <laughs> Close your eyes while I say this. Because you kept laughing. You did it like three or four times. All right, let's get into this episode. It's hilarious. <laughs> Before people tune us out, they're like, what are these two dummies talking about? Um, but yeah, Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> we need to have a video podcast. I'll yeah. just be like me sitting here with my eyes closed the whole time. <laughs> you swiveling yeah. around in your chair. 
All right. So third John. <laughs> you can't go into it that quickly. Also known as three John. Three John. Yeah. Three, three John, John one. Three as, John one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here are some things that are different from first John, second John, and third John. It mentions three personal names. So there's Gaius, uh, Diatrophes, and Demetrius. The letter also uses the term the church three times. Uh, and that term does not appear in the Gospel of John or First and Second John. Unlike the Gospel of John or First John, Third John does not explicitly mention Christ or the Spirit, and it contains only three references to God. So that's three John one six and one eleven. And those are all the fun facts I wanted to mention before we got into it. So wait, you're saying that it doesn't mention Jesus or the Spirit? but that there's three mentions of God. Correct. Do you have what those three mentions are? Uh, let me pull it up real quick. So it was verse 6. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. And then verse 11 is, Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God, and anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. So those are your three references of God. Excellent. That means I'll have something fun to talk about later. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I just wanted to see if those three references, but yeah. yeah. Coming soon to an episode near you, the fourth mention of God <laughs> in Third John. Oh, there's a fourth one? Yeah. Did I miss it? All right. Well, it's, it's hidden in plain sight. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll let you get to that later. So uh, I'm going <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm to say what I want to say. You can tell <laughs> you your can thing later. You. All right. Go ahead. Go no, no, no. It. it is for later. It's a okay. hook so that people can keep listening if they've made it this far at all after, the, <laughs> after that after intro. After that debacle. Uh, I'm going to sum up Gaius by something I heard at the conference we went to that uh, I, I really thought applied to him after I heard it. Uh, it said, uh, never forget God called us to be faithful and not successful. Mm-hmm. And I really think that sums up what we know of him from this letter, that um, it did seem like how we talked about that he may have had some form of wealth, but there's also the idea that he didn't. So either way, uh, but it wasn't about being successful to him. It was just about being faithful. And and with Gaius, uh, he was faithful to the truth. He was faithful to love, and he was faithful in his hospitality. And I think those things were super important uh, as we focus in on this character that a lot of times we think a result of our faithfulness is success, but really the result of our faithfulness is a relationship with God, that I know him better, that I understand what he has for me, his calling in my life, the direction he wants me to move in, um, and that I just get to have this beautiful and wonderful relationship with our creator. But uh, I think it's kind of been twisted in a sense, and I really want to put a lot of blame, but I, maybe I'm putting the blame on the wrong group, but the prosperity gospel has come in and made it seem that if you're not successful, if you're not blessed with money and all the other stuff, then maybe you're not as faithful as you think you are. So give more so that God could give you more type thing. Yeah, I, I pulled out my notebook when you're talking, because I have a couple notes on that, just looking at successful and faithful. I have a note here where I said, success means successful living, which means that you're peaceful, full Mm. of joy. It's not an economic rating. Right. So when you look at success so much, we put that economic rating on it. It's like, no, no, no. Are you successful living? Those, those things that make you successful aren't determined on how much money you make, basically. Um, And I've got here that the hedonic treadmill 
like hedonism. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the hedonic treadmill is waiting for future validation for an internal feeling that you could have right now. So that's the thing of like, oh, I want to feel successful. I want to be successful. You're always waiting for that future validation, some external Mm. something, some circumstance, some achievement, some whatever. And you keep striving towards that thing when the faithfulness is the relationship that you can have with God right now. Again, it's not the dead works that your Bible says repent from those things. You, you get what I'm saying? So yeah. the dead works is like, no, I've got to strive to be successful in my relationship with God. It's like God is like, no, no, no. With who you are, I've redeemed you. I've adopted you into my family. I've given you my spirit, right? You can have that right now should you choose to walk in faith, right? Yeah, I like that. It, it almost seems like culture is shaping us to be, uh, give more thought to success in what you put like the economic or that future satisfaction type thing instead mm-hmm. of what you can have now. Um, uh, really, when we look at the idea of social media, it's just created such a mess with people in the mental space because it's like the crave for likes, comments, views. And if you don't have X amount or this amount, a number of this or that, you don't feel as successful or you haven't made it or achieved it as someone else has. And those things just rot at your brain. They, they could tear you down. They could destroy uh, how you feel, which is then remove that already feeling of, hey, I've got those things. So like, I think one of them successes like joy or mm-hmm. the state of what you have now, it, you, it takes that all away. Instagram a while ago, they took away the likes. Like mm-hmm. people could see how many likes you have on a, on a post. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. That's going to help, you know, people with that. But what it didn't do was take away you being able to view how many likes you're getting. And that's the big problem, right? That we're always comparing ourselves by someone else and looking at that and like, look at what they've got instead of what we've got. But really, and what hit me here with this is more even a practical and personal thing for me is sometimes I get caught up in that wave of what success should be or what it should look like. And I believe it was Larry Osborne who said it, but I really loved it because it reminded me that that's not part of the achievement. That's not part of the striving for. It's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. What I strive for is faithfulness and not success. So I'm, I'm pulling up uh, Philippians 4, 12. Uh, I'll start at 11. That I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And just Paul here saying, like, I've learned the secret mm-hmm. of being content. And that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, yeah, it's you need to learn the thing that who you are, where you are, through Christ, you can be content. And even to be grateful, right? It's so easy when, like you're saying, you look around and you compare yourself to, and you're always comparing yourself to people who have more. You're yeah. never looking at, you're like, oh, I have a lot more than other people, right? And like looking that way, it's always like, oh, that striving forward. But to just look, I'm like, man, God's blessed me in a lot of ways. I have a lot to be thankful for. Like if you're, if you're only ever counting all the things that's like, that's wrong, like, yeah, like, okay. But then you can start to look at what's right. There's another old hymn. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Are you even Baptist? We've talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this. I grew up Pentecostal. Ah, uh, you guys we were, didn't do hymns. We weren't singing old hymns. We were speaking in tongues, <laughs> dancing around the fire. 
<laughs> with our banners running up and down the aisles. Yeah. His banner over us was love. <laughs> I'm sorry. If Pentecost don't listen. That's not a clear, accurate description. <laughs> it's way worse. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I really think too, uh, because Gaius had this perspective of faithfulness, it led into that third aspect that I mentioned. So it was like faithful to truth, faithful to love. And we covered a lot of that in the last episode in Second John. Mm-hmm. So I really, for me personally, want to hone in on that hospitality mm-hmm. uh, because it did seem like he was hospitable in a lot of senses. And in the ancient world, uh, it was difficult for travelers to find decent accommodations except for with friends. But Gaius showed hospitality by opening his house to missionaries. He didn't know them personally, but he knew they were followers of the truth. And then uh, 3 John 6 says, uh, they have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. Um, And his hospitality uh, could have included supplying them with food, money to pay their expenses, washing their clothes, helping them on their travels, making things as comfortable as possible for them. But it's just, to me, it's he was hospitable to the people who were coming into his home. And I think that says a lot. Yeah, and you just said, oh, they're coming in as missionaries, but you're also saying outside of people that you knew, friends and family, it was hard to receive that kind of hospitality. And you jumped in verse 6, but the end of verse 5, I'll just read verse 5. Beloved, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers, and especially since they are strangers to you. So even John here is highlighting the thing of like, no, what you're doing is especially noteworthy because they are strangers. Yeah, yeah, and... For me, I think as Christians, the the way that really speaks volume to our faith is in our hospitality. Mm-hmm. How are, there's there's two of them. It's generosity and our hospitality, and I somewhat see those two kind of interconnected. Yeah. Uh, but it's really that our hospitality does do a lot for that. Um, even like for for missionaries. So if we think of today Christian missionaries, they're not really uh, traveling as much as like going from one place to the other looking for a house to stay, but a lot of them do need support and help. And I think that for us, it's important to have hospitality towards missionaries who are going out and doing the work in places that, you know, God hasn't maybe called me personally to, but um, I could show support for God and what they're doing by helping them out in some way. Now, did we talk about it um, previously, how important hospitality was in the ancient world? And even as far as like, a gift within the New Testament church? Do we touch uh, on that? Maybe. If I we feel did, like I talk about it a lot, so I get confused on if we've talked about it. If we did, it. it was briefly. Yeah. So it really is one of those things that hospitality, uh, even still uh, over in the Middle East and, and those cultures, Asian cultures, things like that, is like hospitality is huge. Um, and to really treat your guests well and to honor them and to offer to them, right? And like, that's just such a high priority to honor other people in that way. And it kind of ties in with the whole honor shame culture that America, we just don't have. <laughs> like, what shame? This thing that I'm publicly doing? Like, yes, no. that. that. That's very shameful. Stop. Where's your honor? Right? Honor and shame culture is very big on all of that. And hospitality plays a lot into that. Um, I don't know why this is the example that so frequently comes to my mind. But when you look at Abram, Abraham that when God comes to visit and mm-hmm. he comes with the angels and everyone's like, no, 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 like, stop. Let me, let me make you some food. Like, let me get things ready for you. And just like, that's an example of it. It's like, you have this visitor who mm-hmm. you're honoring and be able to bring that in. Um, but when you apply it into the new Testament and 
I mean, that travels all through the Old Testament. Hospitality is huge. And not having that is like sinful. Even uh, when, with Nabal, uh, Abigail's husband, the story of David, where he's like, hey, we've done all these things. We've protected your land. We've protected you from raiders. Uh, when, when David was kind of fleeing from Saul mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, just give my men some supplies. Let them drink some of the water from the area. Da, 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 da. And then Abel's like, I didn't ask you to do any of this. So no, I'm not going to do it. And like when that report went back to David, David was like infuriated. He was like, I am going to kill this man. Marched out to do it. And if it wasn't for Abigail, his wife, who came in and stopped him and brought all the supplies and the food and bread for the men, um, David would have, would have killed him because mm-hmm. like he didn't show hospitality the way it should have been done. Yeah, so culturally and even just, I mean, you bring it spiritually and God is hospitable and that's how he wants his people to be. So that's where you get, hey, when you have foreigners and people coming through your land, mm-hmm. there's laws about treating them in, in a good way, right? When you come into the New Testament and when you look at um, how the church body is brought together and functions within the church body and even spiritual giftings within that, super highly prioritized is hospitality. Hmm. And we don't talk about it much because we're not just like, oh, look at the hospitable people that are getting up on stage and talking about something. That's not how it functions. And maybe it got lessened because we tend to meet in these buildings now that people aren't opening up their homes unless like you have a church that runs that as like their small group program that you open your home or just that's the friendly person at the church that has people over and doing things. But on a community level, when you look at the church functioning as a community, the hospitality that would be welcoming in new people, even new people joining into the church who were strangers, kind of like what Gaius has going on here, right? And just what a special gift that is that really just shows the culture of the kingdom of heaven, I think. Mm -hmm. Right? When we get to heaven, we're all invited into that place with utmost love and bringing in and cared for Right. And I just think that for people who display that here on the earth, it's that's why it's so important. Yeah. I looked at uh, Matthew 25 um, when you're looking at New Testament hospitality Mm -hmm. and it gives us the perfect reason why. And this is Jesus. He said, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did you see, when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whenever you did this for one of the least of your brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then on the, those on the left, so here comes the, the mm-hmm. other part, depart from me, you, curse, you who are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? He'll say, truly, I tell you, whenever you did not do this for one of the least, you did not do it for me. 
then they will go into internal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't want to think hospitality isn't important, there's Matthew 25 telling you, like, it is important. And it's like, he's saying, when you saw me, and they're saying, when did we see you this way? Because clearly you're Lord. We never saw you this way. And he was like, no, when you saw my imagers, yeah. your brothers and sisters who are my image in those situations, and you took care of them. You, were, you weren't doing it for them. You were doing it for me. And I think that's where hospitality takes a deeper root, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not about who I'm doing it for. It's, well, it is who am I doing it for, right? It's, it's the who. The who is higher than the person. It's God. When I'm doing it for God, and I'm not looking at who's in front of me, whether they're dirty, smelly, jacked up, or if they're rich or famous, whatever it is, as long as I'm hospitable and putting myself in a position to help out, um, that's when we're doing it for God. Yeah. Kind of taking that a step further, though, I think there's the concept of doing it for God, but I think that what brings it deeper is doing it because we're becoming like God. Mm Mm-hmm right, is that God welcomes in those people. And I'm not sitting here thinking, well, okay, well, I'll do it for God. But all of a sudden, he's changing me to where I see these people, yeah. not for those things that you just said, but I'm seeing the person the way that God would see the person. And me, myself, from my own inner being that God is, you know, transforming, bringing to that point, is like, no, 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 I want you to be here. Like, it's actually me that I want you to be here. And obviously, we can always point everything up to God, but it's like, I'm just doing this because this is who he's made me now. I think that that's where hospitality comes in because like, okay, well, I'll have you over, I guess, if mm-hmm. I have to, like, I'll host the Bible study versus like, man, I can't wait to have people over. Like, I'm an introvert, but I can't wait to see these people and like to have the opportunity. Like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. a, different, it's a different take. Yeah, because um, you're changing into exactly what God, who God is. Yeah, but also to bring it back to uh, John, right? This is not in third John, but if you go first John, just the practicality of the hospitality and the love that's behind it. When John's just like, hey, you see somebody that's in need? Meet the need if you can. Don't just say, I'll pray for you. Because if you're being hypocritical like that, you don't know God. You don't know God's love. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, so to know God's love is to meet the practical need, is to do the feeding, do things. That's what hospitality is, right? And just be able to, it all ties. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the best ways, and we've said it here on the show several times throughout almost 100 episodes of doing it. Um, we had a missionary come in to speak at our church, and one of the things he said, and really I applied this to hospitality, was go and do the next kind thing. Mm-hmm. And when you're thinking about like, okay, how, do, how can I show hospitality to my brothers and sisters if it's not opening up my house to someone who needs that or all those other things, go do the next kind thing. That's what this list kind of was that Jesus yeah. was yeah. giving here. It was like, okay, they're a stranger. You invited them in. They needed clothes. You gave them clothes. Like, do the next kind thing to help someone out. Man, it's probably almost a month ago now, but there was a homeless lady. We might have spoken about it on that episode back when it happened. Anyways, uh, Sochi and I, we went out and we were interviewing people on the streets and we came across this homeless lady and we were just pushing real hard to get her help. It seemed like it was just the right time to move things forward. But there was an overnight to where it was like she wasn't going to be able to get the help to be able to come until the next morning. Mm. And everything in me, like Delilah, we can just let her stay in the guest room, right? <laughs> Delilah's like, we have a newborn and a daughter. I'm like, our bedroom upstairs has a lock on it. We can just, we're safe up there. We can just let this woman come in. She can <laughs> sleep in a bed. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I get that sometimes the hosp- 
the hospitable thing. And there's different things that like, you know, you need to gauge things by. And I think that the way that the community works with Gaius coming and accepting these people in that we shouldn't just read into is like, oh, no, absolutely anybody that comes across. It's like the church actually functioned at a, as a separate unit. When mm-hmm. we look at what the church is, the ecclesia, the called out to be a separate thing, that there was this separateness that almost like becoming part of that. And I think that we've talked about it before, but that the caring for the the sick and the poor and the in prison and the hungry and the stuff is like that was prioritized to within the church. Yeah. It didn't exclude those without the church, but it was like go and visit those in prison. It's like, yeah, because your Christian brothers and sisters, those who believe like you need to care for them. Like they're your family who's in there and you need to pick up that responsibility. And there's a good possibility at that point that they're in prison because of the gospel. Yeah, it would be. I mean, Jesus was yeah. like, hey, you're going to follow me? Persecution. Yeah. So, yeah, just things like that, that there, it's not just, no, anybody that comes across, open them, open up your home and do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes God will make that a thing that he needs to use you in that way. But I think that there is a, what am I looking, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a community. Yeah, it's more community mm-hmm. involved to where somebody at the church who you kind of know in the community knows is like looking for a spot. Yeah. Like, hey, can we open up the home for the? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why I even at the beginning of it prefaced it. He didn't know them personally, but yeah. he knew that they were followers of the truth. And to him, that's all he needed to know to help them out. Yeah, like looking after the community is important. It's also very important to go out to the people who are in need. Mm-hmm. Um, but the community was always seemed to be what was prioritized before you went out to do that. It's like if your family, you don't want to spend all the resources outside of your family. You spend the resources within the family, right? You take care of your kids, you give them food, but you wouldn't have your kids go without eating to feed a stranger. Oh, like this huge crisis that we're in in our country and we're sending tens of billions of dollars across the world. Right. <laughs> it's a good point though. Like, uh, It's just like, not that that's not a need, mm-hmm. but like, how do you prioritize meeting needs? It's a good point because I think a lot of times we, even as Christians, get lazy and thinking that our government should be out there doing the things for the people, when internally and in what the Bible is showing us is that we should be the, doing the things. Like hospitality should be, like you were saying, flowing out of us, not because I'm doing it for God, but because it's helping me draw nearer to God, mm-hmm. that I'm being hospitable to other people. So I don't need... Uh, government to to help a brother and sister who's in need, right? I, I could be there. And what it does show us is that although government at times tries to do the good thing that even seems somewhat biblical, um, they always miss the mark. It's always a replica and not what God had designed. And more along that point of not what God had designed, it's like we can point fingers like, well, look at how poorly the government does whatever. It's just like, that's not the point. The mm-hmm. point is those roles were appointed to the church mm-hmm. and like yeah sure complain about how the dmv runs and if you apply that to healthcare, if you apply it to whatever like blah 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 the government's like okay stop complaining about that it was appointed to the church to care for people yeah the end and, and it makes you think <laughs> like, like a letter this small that hits this topic so hard Mm-hmm. right it's just hospitality they they, they, they the personal responsibilities there it says gaius you as an individual yeah. we are going to show the mm-hmm. like you get a whole letter in the bible <laughs> basically to like magnify what it is and what a good thing that's happening there yeah, yeah. there's no there's nothing in there for for me there's no like yeah from the elder <laughs> to you <laughs> uh which leads me to then the next part that i i had uh don't be a diatrophies um so well, i'm gonna interject here 
Okay. Because you're going from one to the next. Mm-hmm. And so you were trying to jump from verse six to verse nine. But verse seven, for they went out on behalf of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Is that what your translation reads? I'm in the Brian study. It was for the sake of the name they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. That's the NIV. The sake of the name. This mm-hmm. is the fourth mention of God yeah. in Third John. So when you look at the name, there's a whole theology of like the name uh, originates back in the Old Testament. You have Hashem, meaning the name. And um, basically when you have Hashem, it stands, it can stand in the place for just Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton, mm-hmm. right? Coming in there, but it's how you would reference God. So you have Hashem, the name, it's how a lot of Jewish people will still reference God. It's just by the name. Let me pull up a verse here. Say something like Isaiah thirty twenty seven. God, behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar with burning anger and dense smoke. His lips are full of fury and his tongue is like a consuming fire, which we're not going to touch anything of what that verse means other than it talking about like the name <laughs> and the name of the Lord. Um, in the New Testament, you've got Onoma, meaning the name. And I've got here from the Helps Word Studies. It says name figuratively, the manifestation or revelation of someone's character. For example, as distinguishing them from all others. Thus, praying in the name of Christ means to pray as directed or authorized by him, bringing revelation that flows out of being in his presence. Praying in Jesus' name, therefore, is not a religious formula just to end prayers or to get what we want. According to Hebrew notions, a name is inseparable from the person to whom it belongs. That is, it is something of his essence. Therefore, in the cases of God, it is especially sacred. So in Jewish thought, the name and the person are the same. Right. Right. So here when it's referencing that they went out on behalf of the name, it's like they went out on behalf of God. Like it is tying in that reference. And John being like a Jewish man, he knows all about the name and that that would be a reference, right? Uh, I was trying to look for my notes while you were talking because I did have notes on that. Uh, thanks for paying attention to yeah. the conversation, Chris. <laughs> no, I was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to find my notes because I had it for the first part um, mm. of when we were going through like the more historical stuff. Uh, and so I didn't have it for this one. But it, it, in there, it was like the name and, and the debate was which name actually is he referencing here? Uh, was it God or was it in the name of Jesus, right? Because both of them, like you're saying, like, who is it? And then it came to like it it went through all the list of like back and forth of which one, but at the end of it it was like it didn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. Because if you're mentioning the name of God, you're mentioning the name of Jesus. And if you're mentioning the name of Jesus, you're mentioning the name of God. So yeah, that fourth interjection there of the name of God. But I think that the importance in even what it's saying in the verse, mm-hmm. not to just hone in on that, is saying it's talking about these men, right? That have gone, that guys has received. And it's saying of them, for they went out on behalf of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. So, like, these guys went out, and they're saying, the Gentiles, the people of the nations, right? Those who don't believe in Yahweh. Saying they went out, they weren't dependent on outside resources Mm -hmm. to get it going. They were traveling preachers, missionaries. They were just bringing the gospel. They went out probably two by two, as Jesus instructed, and as the disciples, you know, would send people out as well. So, imagine just going from town to town, and you're trying to find the man of peace that you can lodge with or find whatever. And then you come to Gaius. And it's like, man, how long was the travel until you get to this guy? 
and you're just fully trusting in God that mm-hmm. you're doing it on behalf of the name. You're not doing it for, I think you mentioned prosperity gospel or, or any of the stuff. You're not doing it for any of those things. You're just like, no, it's for the gospel. It's for God. I'm going out. He'll provide. He'll do. And then you find a guy like Gaius and it's like, man, what a blessing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just to get the flip side of we have people who are going out and then we have people who are receiving and both are doing it on behalf of the name. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like that. I'm going to go on to diatrophies now. Yeah, sure. You, you, you gave me. <laughs> no, because I, I couldn't phrase that better than what you just did right there. I really like that. Like it's uh, when at the end of the day, if both are doing it for the same purpose, the name, then it all works out. Like God helps, has it work out for that purpose. Because if we're all just operating for God's glory, like to me, that's when I read that, went out in for the name, for the sake of the name, they went out for God's glory. They went to do it to bring his name to people who did not know it and to share the gospel and to give them that. Doing that is the important thing. But if I'm also receiving people in for God's glory, then it's the, like the connection. Like it's just at both ends, it's getting covered. But everything we do should be for that purpose, mm-hmm. for the namesake. And I think a lot of times we can get clouded for why we're doing things. What's our motivation? What's our purpose? And, and we say this all the time. Is it for building personal kingdoms or is it for building God's kingdom? Which does lead us into diatrophies. Yeah. Uh, verse 9 through 10. I wrote to the church, but diatrophies, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So when I say don't be like Diotrephes, there's like I have these four quick little points. It's uh, the first one is insecurity has no place in the church, and that's his need to be first. So as a church, insecurity doesn't have a place in it. Like, we're all the same. We're all equal. We're all serving the same master. Insecurity. And it's interesting how insecurity can be tied in with pride. Yeah. You know, a lot of prideful people are actually really insecure. So it's like, you you need to hold on to that. Yeah. Why are you talking to me that way? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) I think it's a Greg Laurie one time I went to Harvest. And he said, like, sometimes when you're preaching, people get loud. It's like, if you throw a, a rock at a pack of dogs, the one that starts barking is the one you hit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, if you're preaching the truth and someone gets loud, it's because that truth hit them. So, that truth hurt. Yeah, those insecure, prideful people. Yeah, in the church. Uh, <laughs> second one, a critical spirit has no place in the church, the spreading malicious uh, nonsense. Uh, and that's just the critical spirit. It can't be in the church. We can't have these things in there. Uh, the fourth is arrogance has no place in the church. He refuses to welcome others in. Um, and then Four is intimidation has no place in the church. He puts them out of the church. And to me, that's a big one, Um, especially growing up in the church. I have been in church long enough to see people intimidate other people in the church. You know, it's this weird thing. It's like, well, I don't like the way you're doing things, so we're going to bull you out of coming to our church, or we're just going to tell you that, no, that's not how we do things around here, and if you don't like it, you could get out. Or even from the pulpit, preachers who really cling on to that verse where, um, what is it, Uh, do not put your hand on God's anointed, and they see themselves as God's anointed and say, like, you can't talk bad about me, you can't complain, you can't say I'm doing anything wrong, and they kick people out of the church, and it's crazy that that happens. And there's, there's even a culture today, you could just see it, there's this group of people who are been beat up by the church 
because of these things, these four things. Yeah. And it's people who still love God, mm-hmm. but they want nothing to do with the church anymore, the organization. Uh, there's a lot of people who won't even step into, a, what are we called, a 501c building. They won't do it because they're like, that's the people who have hurt me. That's institutionalized church. Yeah. So uh, when these things creep into the church, that's what we become as a place that hurts people. So you're talking about these things, and there's always that interesting tension to hold between the sin and the sinner. Because mm-hmm. like these things don't creep into a church without coming through a person. Right. So, you know, it's yeah. just thought, what were the four terms that you used? Uh, insecurity, Inse- critical spirit, arrogance, and intimidation. It's not like those are just like, there's insecurity in the room. Like, who's insecure? I don't know, but it's in here. <laughs> like, you know, she's like, no, it's, it's that person. And when we look at things coming in, and that's where you get these letters, whether it's John, you know, calling people out, or when we look at, uh, who else is calling people out? Is it Peter? Paul. Yeah. And it's just like, they do call out the characteristics sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes the people are left unnamed, and you get the description of what they're like. Yeah, Jude was very yeah, good at that d- one. at the description, but here it's like, hey, this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, the things do come along with people, mm-hmm. and that's what makes things so hard. Just dealing with people is difficult. And I get um, the whole parable of the wheat and the tares as well. Like, hey, should I go around making sure that I'm removing all of these people from the church because they don't look like Christians to mm-hmm. me? <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You might accidentally rip out some people, right? And I think that that's that your last point of trying to put people out of the church for different reasons. It's Yeah, and what I really found interesting is that John never uh, tells Gaius to do anything about diatrophies. Uh, he doesn't tell him to call him out or hold a meeting to kick him out. He just simply says, don't act like him. And then you get verse 11 that says, dear friend, do not intimidate uh, what is evil, but what is, or do nope. not imitate, yeah. not intimidate, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God, and anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. And when the people of God do evil, their claim about knowing God loses all merit. And that's why these four things just kind of hit, because we could talk about insecurities and it just being like, what really are those? It's a form of pride. But if you really think about it, if it's someone who feels like their opinion has to matter than anyone else's, that's a form of insecurity. That's someone being insecure, saying like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. They, it's almost like this always had to be right mentality. Uh, a critical spirit is just so terrible to the church. A spirit that's always complaining about what's happening. The music's too loud. I don't like the paint color. The preacher preaches too long. The preacher doesn't preach enough. No one welcomed me when I came in. A valid point, but to be critical about it to the point of like, you're just the Israelites murmuring and grumbling. Uh, That does nothing for the body. And then arrogance obviously has no place. And then, yeah, when when the church is a bully, no one's going to come to the church. And the importance of this, of, of the separation between these two characters, and then he even gets into Demetrius, this guy who was like top notch. What he's really saying is here is that like, yeah, if, if anyone does evil, it's probably because they really haven't seen God. And how are you going to tell the difference between like you're saying the wheat and the, the tear is, well, good is from God, and they're going to follow those characteristics and those traits. Yeah, and when we're looking at that even, everybody mentioned here, has the opportunity to hear the gospel and to become a disciple. And becoming a disciple falls into that category of being taught to obey all things. And when we get into being taught to obey all things, that's where we have Jesus saying something like, take me on as your teacher. I'm humble and I'll teach you my ways, right? Mm -hmm. 
So when we're coming into the whole point for everybody there and for me and you and for everybody is to learn to follow the way of Jesus. So right. those things that you were pointing out, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can think of the counterpoint from Jesus's teaching, right? To where it's um, the insecurity about needing to be first. Jesus is like, hey, whoever wants to be first amongst you has right. to be the servant. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And it's just like you can see the counterpoint to it was like, ah, even how you were saying they haven't come to see God. And how do we come to see God? As scripture says, well, God is spirit. He's invisible. We can't see him, but we can see the sun. He's the mm. visible image of the invisible God. Invisible God. <laughs> invisible. Um, so, right. So, just like if you come to see God, you've come to see him through Jesus. Yeah. And, and I can look at those. What was the other point? Malicious slander. How did you word it? Critical spirit, arrogance, intimidation, insecurity. I had different verses that popped into my head. And as we kept talking, I'm just like, ah, where did they go? Yeah. But you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you can look at those and see there is a teaching when those thoughts were in my head. There was a teaching from Jesus. It wasn't even like, oh, no, Paul talks about that yeah. or Peter talks about that. It's like, no, straight from Jesus in the gospel. I mean, you, you can get look the at the Beatitudes, counterpoint, yeah. almost all of them. And, and I think that's the thing. When you have a genuine, genuine relationship with God, uh, that always bears fruit of right actions. You know, you're loving others. That, that's what we looked at with Second John, you know, loving others. It's mm -hmm. just natural. It's just what you do. It's important. And it doesn't matter who they are. You love them. Um, you remaining Jesus's teaching. That's priority is staying in the teaching of God because that's what's going to direct my life. That's what's going to guide me in those things. And as I, uh, I listen to God, it's going to start moving. Um, I, I really, we've, we've been talking about this more personally than on the podcast for the last two weeks about the cloud mm -hmm. uh, being above the Israelites. And when it moved, they moved. And when it's, it stayed, they stayed. And I really wish life was that easy nowadays, right? Like we literally had a cloud to direct us where we went in life, but we don't. Uh, but they needed the cloud. We have the spirit. And that spirit inside of us, if we unleash it and let it take over like we're supposed to, will guide us and direct us and we'll stay in that, that teach that staying in Jesus' teaching, I think, and in, in, in the Bible, when I say remain in Jesus' teaching, that's really what I mean in the word. That allows us to be more receptive to the Spirit communicating with us. That point right there is one of the paradigm-shifting things in life as human beings, is that especially as you come to read the Scriptures, Old and New Testament, for whatever it is, you can look at the Old Testament, well, why not the prophets? Why not the cloud? Why not that, right? Mm -hmm. why, why aren't those things happening? Get a New Testament, how come Jesus can't be walking with me today? How come I can't be walking with the It's just like, no, everything points to the best thing out of any of those things is that we would be able to receive the Spirit better than the prophets, better than the cloud, better than even Jesus walking with us on the earth. Yeah. Right? Because Jesus said, it's better for me to go that you would receive the Spirit. And it's kind of like the, I could come give you like the most expensive, coolest gadget that could fix whatever problems you're dealing with. But if it looks foreign to you and you don't know what it is and you don't understand that that will actually fix your problem, mm -hmm. you, it means nothing. <laughs> like, you're not going to treat it appropriately. You're not going to try and use it. You're just like, okay, I guess I own this thing now. And not that we own the spirit, but if we don't have the perspective of, oh, this 
is the best thing. Like, man, I'm in such a better opportunity than them with the cloud. They had to follow that cloud. Can you imagine how much that sucks compared to the opportunity that I've been given? Because then you start looking for, but wait, why is mine a better opportunity? Because it's not just the perspective that needs to shift to understand that we have it, but then you need to actually start to see it and live it. Mm -hmm. You you know what I mean? Yeah. Because otherwise it's just like, a mantra that you can repeat. I have the Holy Spirit and it's better mm-hmm. for me. But it's like, no, no, no. I actually am living that way. It's like, but, but how? It's like, all right, well, walking in the Spirit. <laughs> like, then it's a deeper process. It's like, that's what Jesus called us to do as discipleship. And, you know? Yeah. I know you, you touched on a thing and it really is. It's so easy to just blow past that point. But for me, that is just, it was paradigm shifting for me to come to the, because I used to do the same thing. Man, if, if only Jesus could be here. Mm-hmm. If only I could like, God, talk to me like you were talking to the prophets. And it's like, I had to come to the real realization and then work through that realization to the reality in my life. And I'm amazed by what that reality currently is. And I feel like I'm still a baby in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> at times I can still think like, is, is this really the better thing compared to the cloud? I'm like, no, 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 it is. I've experienced things much better. I'm sure that there's more to it than I currently have. Mm-hmm. And and it goes into so many areas. I mean, just a practical thing for me would be like going to work one day and then just feeling like, oh, maybe I should go this way instead. Mm-hmm. And then going that other way just led you to like a safer travel. You got there safely instead of maybe getting an accident or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all spirit leading, I feel sometimes, that the spirit guides and directs. And sometimes we're just like, oh, my conscience led me that way. But if we're really in tune with what God's doing, the Spirit moves us to do something. And when we really let it take over, it's almost second nature. Mm-hmm. Now you're not even really like, oh, was that the Spirit? Was that me? Like you were saying about like the hospitality. You're just doing it because it makes you more like the image of Christ, like you're supposed to be. It almost becomes second nature. It's just like, I'm doing it. I'm operating in it. But operating in it, means I have to be uh, plugged into the source of it. Yeah. And if I'm not plugged into the source, then it's no power. And I know this conversation is getting away from third John, but I think it's good to pursue a little bit. I, I think about it because this is the reality of it. You have Jesus, right? And he comes and then he decides to start his public ministry. And he starts calling the disciples. as like, these guys are fishermen, tax collectors, zealots, like whatever mm-hmm. they all are. And they're, they're just there living life as you would expect to be living life in the absence of anything. <laughs> it's just like, no, I have faith in God. I'm doing, you know what I'm doing. And then you have Jesus show up and he's showing you this way of life that is so entirely different. And the way that he speaks has this authority and this power and you're seeing literally miraculous power come out. And you're going from this thing of like, you're witnessing it and then Jesus is involving you in it. He's teaching you. He's teaching you how to pray the way that he prays. He's teaching you how to heal. He's teaching you how to care for people, how to like provide and like, hey, look, we only have this fish and bread. Go feed everybody with Mm -hmm. it, right? And he's teaching you these things and you're getting involved. But how you said it becoming second nature, like Jesus was for all of those years just going and doing it. I don't know if Jesus was amazed by the fact that he could do it. I know that he was always giving thanks to the Father. Mm -hmm. And you know, he's always blessing people and giving thanks to the Father. And I think that probably with the disciples, they were going through a process of like, whoa, this is mind-blowing, it's happening. 
Who knows if this will ever happen again? Mm-hmm. And then it's another opportunity for doing it. And they're just like, whoa, what's happening? And even Jesus is like, do you guys not get it yet? <laughs> like, you just did that over here. And you think that it's not going to be with you over here. But then by the time that you get post-resurrection and you see them going out, you see them have almost that second nature to it, to where they understood that like, no, 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 this is part of what life is now. Mm-hmm. I still think that they gave praise. I still think that they were just blown away by the what God was doing. But I think that it moved more into that, like, no, here's what this means to yeah. be a follower. I really think that uh, when it comes down to it, that if we say we know God, it's by our deeds and how we do things that people are going to really know that we know God. It's by our love. It's by our hospitality. It's by walking in truth. Uh, in the contrast to that, the lack of Christian character should be a real sign that the absence of God is in a person's life. If they're saying, praise God and singing in church, but saying, I hate that person, there's something missing there. If you can... uh, That's Jesus again. Yeah. He's like, hey, a a good well doesn't have bitter water. Right? So, like, that's the contrast. And it it really is to, to... personally reflect in and say like what area do i struggle with is there someone i don't love is there someone i consider my enemy are there a group of people and especially when we're living in our day and age today in america where divisiveness and division is just being breathed out to us left Mm -hmm. and right it's Mm -hmm. separation uh the church would make a better stand if we actually just loved people who came in yeah. That if we could get along in unity despite the differences, that's really the thing for me. I, I'm, I'm just going to say this, and then I'll be done, and then you could wrap up. Um, I really like this, and it was from Joby Martin. I believe that's his name from the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like one of the first things he said when he started talking, and it blew my mind. Uh, he said, uh, wake up, read your Bible, and then spend the rest of the day living like it. And like, how did that blow your mind, Chris? And I was like, because it's so simple. But that last part is what we forget sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll wake up, I'll read my Bible, I'll do my devotional, right? I'll do my little thing and I'll maybe even take a picture of it and put it on my social media. But then I don't go out and act like it. And that's the important part of that ingredient. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, one, you're the fool. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So one and two are good. But if one and two don't imprint onto my life, then I'm not really acting like it. And then I really have to say, do I know God? Or do I just know a lot more about God? Yeah, which goes back to that pride thing of knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, right? Mm -hmm. Because the love edifying, the love building up, that's the you actually doing something with it part. Otherwise, knowledge puffs you up. And I see that that scripture very much applying to to what you just said. And to clarify, you said Joe B. Martin. It's not Joe B. Martin. His first (laughs) name is Joe B. Yeah. (laughs) Just I think that's the first time I've ever heard that first name. So. Yeah, I think I said it the other day, and you're like, Joey, who's Joey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just to clarify, um, yeah, that's, that's good. And I, when I mentioned the fool, it's the, it's the parable that Jesus gave, right? Of building your life on the, on the solid foundation yeah. versus on the sand, because that's listening to the words and doing something with it versus just hearing them, being the fool, being the wise man. And kind of going to that point that you were saying of just divisiveness being like breathed out at us and and all Mm -hmm. those things. I met with the guys last night and we were talking a bunch of things just about 
you know, how to really pursue spiritual life and what's even the point of being part of a church and how do we really engage in what that is and to really live it out and to look at that. And some of the conversation, we were talking about some of the divisiveness, even you can put yourself in a Christian bubble and still come across like some divisive stuff. Say all that you follow online is like Christian stuff or things that go by the title of Christian. It doesn't mean it's going to be devoid of worldly division and things like that. And it, we were talking about that it's easy to point fingers at other things that the church is doing. But what I brought it down to last night with the guys is I was saying, we can learn from those things. But my main concern is that for those of us sitting at this table right now, how are we going to live so that those things aren't being said about us? Right. Like, I agree. I don't like whatever that church over there is doing or that guy that's posting on social media and he's saying he's a Christian and that's what he's doing. It's like, okay, but what am I going to do about that? I can't do anything about that. My main concern is for us together to seek the kingdom. And I see that that being both Gaius and then Demetrius. Verse 12 in this is, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also testify for him and you know that our testimony is true. Again, what do you want other people when the church is getting together and they're having their small groups or whatever? It's like, you want that kind of testimony. It says that the truth itself even testifies for Demetrius. Mm-hmm. And to really look at that towards like, no, I'm, I am a hospitable person. I am a loving person. I am somebody who stands up for what's true. I am somebody who cares for the poor. I am like, you know what I mean? It's just like to have that testimony. And obviously Demetrius did. And obviously walking in the spirit is that good thing that allows us to do it. The Christian walk isn't an impossibility, I guess, to come to that. When you have people being highlighted in scriptures, like, look at what they're doing. It's a really good thing. It's not like, well, none of us will ever be perfect like Jesus. I guess like we're all just worms and like we can't do anything right. It's like, no, no, no. Look at the good that you can do in actually pursuing. And like, there's great testimonies of churches, not just individuals, but like whole groups of people that are doing it. Not without fault because things happen but i think to just strive towards that and really i guess for anybody listening to our podcast or as we listen to other things we just look at the world and the divisiveness there really is the responsibility on us and to go back to what we talked about in the very beginning success with god isn't what you're achieving and all of those things it's like to have the relationship with him is to have the relationship with him it doesn't like to go into your prayer closet and pray and to read the Bible, like don't judge it by what anybody else is doing. Have your own relationship with mm-hmm. God. It's, you're not a least successful Christian, faithful Christian if you're not speaking in tongues, if you're not having visions. That doesn't mean anything about maturity, <laughs> right? If God speaks to you through worship music, but you read the Bible and like scriptures don't pop out at you, or maybe like you read the Bible and a scripture pops out, or maybe it comes through prayer, or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, we can't judge what all of that is just like the important thing is having that relationship and that's what what it is but that really that's what it comes down to is we all have that responsibility and if we follow the teachings of jesus we can be a guy so demetrius and mm-hmm. if we don't take those things into account then we're a diatrophies and really it's like uh is is the word follower or christian is that just a title or is it your testimony mm-hmm. You know, because Diotrephes, 
Why don't I like hum that in a tune? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. That's why. <laughs> yeah, you got me singing. Diatrophies, <laughs> uh, it was all about title. And you see that. He loves to be first. He kicks out people who try to challenge him because it was all about title. Gaius, humble, could have lived miles away from this church. We don't know. Uh, was just bringing people in because they were followers. And that was his testimony. His testimony was way more important than the title he had. And for us as followers of Christ, that's all we really have is our testimony. Um, so is it, is, is it that more important than the title? You know, I could say I'm a Christian, uh, but if my testimony doesn't match up to it, then I'm really not, you know? I think it's important that our testimony speaks louder than what we claim to be. Yeah, that's it. You want me to throw you off real quick? Sure. I'm Yurdlich. Oh, <laughs> I'm Chris. And we're your church friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, church friends. We would like to take a moment to thank you for listening to the show. We really do appreciate every single one of you. And really, if you have any questions, if you need prayer, if you just want to share your thoughts or what your favorite topic was that we covered, please, please feel free to email us at yourchurchfriends@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Chris will read that email and let me know what it says. <laughs> also, if you enjoyed the show, please do the following to help us out. Follow or subscribe to whichever podcasting platform you listen to, and then share it with your family, your friends, and the people who attend your church. And really, all this stuff is run by algorithms, so you doing those simple things really helps get the podcast into more ears. And remember, Your Church Friends podcast is here to be a resource to you to help you understand God's Word in a more clear and personal way. All so that we can grow closer in our relationship with God. Don't forget to check out our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. It currently takes you to all of our social media accounts and places where you can listen to each and every episode. Which Chris is finally forcing me to sit down and work on a lot of that stuff. So there's updates coming to the website as well as a lot of other wonderful resources that we're working on together. The website is yourchurchfriends.rocks because, wait, what was it again? Oh, that was a long time ago. Oh, that's right, because we rocks. Abacabac, Nahum, Obadiah, Jude, Philemon, Haggai, Amos.